Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntris here. Sorry it's been so long. Uh, just been really busy at the day job. My uh, radio station changed call letters, and I make commercials and uh, do promos and station IDs for them. So we need all brand new stuff right from uh, square one. So uh, it's just a lot of extra work, and it's kept me really busy. And uh, I do have a show for you, of course, today. Uh, Brian Buccalato joins us to talk about his image book, Sons of the Devil, which is uh, just getting started. Uh, but also we talk about, of course, his DC work. He's he and uh, Francis Manipole doing excellent work at Detective. Uh, they are also uh, doing a few other projects for DC. Well, they aren't, but Brian is. Um, I, you know, Francis is obviously very busy as well, but Brian's doing a lot of writing. Uh, he's got uh, one of the uh, DC Convergence books, and uh, we talk about that. Uh, the Crime Syndicate is facing Grant Morrison's uh, One Million uh, DC Heroes, and uh, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And we also look back at uh, Brian's work on the Black Bat for Dynamite. Uh, Black Bat, really interesting character that, uh, if you don't know, a pulp hero that came out about the same time as uh, Batman and Detective 27 back in 1939. And uh, it's a big question in terms of uh, which came first because uh, they really were published around the same time. And uh, we talk a bit about the similarities and the various differences, too. Uh, but if you haven't seen Dynamite's uh, Black Bat, I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, check it out, because as always, today's episode is brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, and they've got wonderful deals, as always, going on with InStock Trades. Uh, for instance, you can get uh, the Black Bat uh, featuring uh, Brian Buccolato on uh, writing and uh, Roman uh, Cliquette, on um, on art, it's uh, it's excellent. Ronan Clickett, excuse me, and uh, it's it's wonderful. J. Scott Campbell did some of the covers. Uh, the classic Pulp Vigilante is reimagined for a new generation. The Omnibus is thirty uh, percent off and just twenty dollars and ninety nine cents. Some of the other deals going on at In Stock Trades include the Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection, fifty percent off, seventeen dollars and forty nine cents. You can get big, hard sex criminals. From Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction, 50% off $19.99. You can get low the Trade Paperback Volume 1, 50% off $4.99. J. Michael Straczynski doing The Twilight Zone for Dynamite. Volume 3, The Way Back, is 50% off $7.99. Ed Brubaker's Criminal, along with Sean Phillips, of course, co-creators. The Dead and the Dying, Volume 3, 42% off $8.99. Kevin O'Neill and Alan Moore continue to tell the story of Nemo. River of Ghosts hardcover is uh, 30% off. It's just $10.46. That's all waiting for you at InStockTrades.com along with a whole hell of a lot more. Don't take my word for it. Check out all the deals yourself. If your orders are $50 or more, you receive free shipping. Make it happen today for yourself. InStockTrades.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, as always, for your continued support. Go to wordballoon.com and uh, see if you'd like to uh, help by subscribing to the show. Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. But if you want to help out as convention season starts to roll in and uh, help with uh, some of the costs to the podcast, I certainly would appreciate it. The best way you can help me with Word Balloon, of course, as I always tell you, is let a friend know that you like the show and uh, there's some interesting interviews here to listen to. For example, case in point, today's episode, Brian Buccalato, ladies and gentlemen. Happy to have Brian back on the podcast. Let's talk to him now on Word Balloon. Brian Buccalato, welcome back to Word Balloon. It's a pleasure to talk to you, man. How you doing? Excellent. Um, you know, I uh, congratulations on uh, Sons of the Devil. 
moving on and onward and upward. I, I really enjoyed the film. Oh, oh great. You, see, you, yeah. you didn't get a chance to see it. Awesome. Yeah, I know. I, this, was, this was a lot of uh, fun as well as the first two uh, issues that you've let me see as well. Um, but um, yeah, it had that. And, and it's funny because I'll say Cinemax, and of course everyone thinks TNA, but no, I mean like current Cinemax, like uh, Banshee. Right, no, like the grittier – I think they call it more muscular shows uh, are on Cinemax. That's what they call That's it. That's very funny. Okay, <laughs> and that makes sense. I, honestly, I'm a sucker for all that stuff. I love Strike Back and I love Banshee. Yeah, I, I saw only the first uh, episode of Banshee, but it looks really good. It's one of those things, many things on my list, you know. Well, and you know, I know in the elevator pitch for Sons of the Devil too, you uh, you mentioned True Detective, and it's yeah, it's that. I mean, it's it's got that grit, and your film had that too. I felt like I needed to you know take a shower just watching it. <laughs> well, thanks. That's what I was going for. You know, I, it, it, it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, I think being on set, and uh, I think our budget at the end of the day was thirty thousand. So we had enough money to you know to pay people and to you know to cast and and. Uh, uh, we shot on Red Epic, so uh, I mean, I'm I'm really happy with the way it came out. Like, uh, uh, I would love to be able to do more, you know. No, it looks fantastic, man, and that shows you too not only your skill but where the technology is right now. That you know, uh, there are quality cameras that you can rent, or I'm assuming you rented it um, or not, well, whatever. But regardless, in your hands, you, you did a good job, and it's no, it's motion picture quality, good. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, we we definitely had a good crew. So how did you get uh, access to the camera? I'm oh, curious. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> my my buddy Tim Story uh, is uh, he and a friend uh, bought a red camera, and uh, so they, he basically lent it to me. So you know, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it, we did talk about your friendship with Tim. I think last time, probably, probably. I mean, he, he's a big part of my life, you know. Uh, and he has that, absolutely. How's he doing? What's what is he doing these days? Can he? Can <sighs> he's super busy. Um, he was just doing reshoots. Uh, or pickups, I'm not sure which, uh, for Ride Along 2, and now he's shooting a pilot. So uh, uh, his birthday is actually this weekend. I haven't seen him in uh, like a couple months. I'm going to see him uh, for his big old birthday bash uh, on Saturday. So that's Wow, that's cool. And did he do the first Ride Along? Yeah, he did Ride Along. He did, uh, his last four films were the, uh, the two um, Think Like a Man movies and then Ride Along. That's fantastic. One and two. Yeah, so he's on a, a pretty good streak in terms of uh, you know box office success. Hell yeah. No, absolutely. No, dude, I mean, and Barbershop, right? Wasn't that his big thing yeah. before, like, FF and, and some of the superhero stuff? Right. Yeah, man. No, I, I, I'm i telling you, I, I loved Barbershop. I liked this series as well. And, uh, you know, I... I I haven't seen I haven't seen the Think Like a Man's and I haven't seen the Ride Alongs. The Ride Along look like fun. It's fun, and and Think Like a Man is good if only because I have a cameo in it. So that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't allowed to uh, to utter any lines, but uh, the camera's definitely on me, and I'm definitely acting. Uh, <laughs> but you know, if if you utter words, then they have to you know tap part of you, and, yeah, and they got to pay you. So I did a lot of acting with my face. That's fantastic. That's excellent, man. Very cool. Well, good for Tim's story. That's cool. Yeah, man. Um, well, let's get on to your stuff, though. Yes, Sons of the Devil. I started to tell you before we uh, started recording that uh, I really like the design of the book as well as the story. Um, I, let's let's start with the story, though. Give give people the elevator pitch. Um, let's see. So, I guess the elevator pitch is: uh, What if you you know you were an orphan, you didn't know who your parents were, and one day. You found out your dad was Charles Manson. What would you do? <laughs> yeah. Like, what if you found out you were a survivor of Jonestown 
And then what if you found out that Jim Jones never actually died and he was coming after you? That's sort of the predicament that our, our, our lead, uh, Travis Crow, uh, winds up in. Um, so that's sort of the, I guess, the one, the one minute pitch of, uh, sure. of it. Uh, it, it's definitely, it's a character driven, gritty, grounded, uh, I guess, psychological horror, um, with a supernatural element. Indeed. And, uh, you know, as far as the psychological horror too, finding out about his family, not just his, his father, but the extended family that he is a part of as well, both the cult and, and the real blood and everything as, as things get deeper. Right, absolutely. And, and so, I mean, I'm writing, again, I'm writing a personal story uh, in some ways because it's really about uh, him learning the lesson that the family you choose is more important than biology. Um, and that's, I think, a hard lesson for a lot of people to learn. And, of course, yep. it's much harder for him because, you know, he's got all this, this terrible backstory and it's coming right at him. So the story is actually uh, going to be told in the past and present. Uh, starting off, it's, it's uh, you know, I'd say 75% in the present. But as the series continues, we'll get more and more into the backstory of David Daly and the cult that he, uh, he develops and why he's making the choices he makes. So it's definitely like a fully fleshed out world, but, but of humans and, and character and, and me exploring, one, what it's like to be uh, the type of person that can manipulate others into committing murder and, and suicide and two, what it's like to be the child of someone like that. Really interesting. Uh, it, it has a great look. How did you uh, find – is it Tom Infante? Uh, Tony. Tony Infante. Tony Infante. Uh, yeah, tell me about Tony. Uh, Tony, uh, I found him online. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, there's a website called Behance. Uh, it's like an international portfolio website. And uh, I was just looking up – my brother told me to, to check it out because I was looking for an artist. But I had like a very specific style that I wanted. And, uh, you know, I, I was searching for hours and hours and then I saw his art and I was like, oh my God, there's no way. I'm like, this guy must be working like nonstop. There's no way that, uh, he would do it. And, but I emailed him and I said, Hey, I have this project for image. I'd, I'd love uh, for you to do it. And I said, well, what is your rate? He told me and I said, yes. And then he said, yes. And, and we've been rolling ever since. That's fantastic. Is he coloring it or are you coloring? No, it? he wanted to color it himself. So it's, it's, it's that- all him. That's fantastic. No, it's it's really really good looking. I love both the interiors but also the color des- the cover design as well. It's very bold and it uh it should capture your attention right away. And again, with this pitch as well and getting into uh cults, uh what what kind of research did you do in this creepy world? Um I mean <laughs> I mean look, I mean I know I guess what other people know. I did a lot of research for, uh, on like Jim Jones and and sure. David Koresh, and you know, you know, there's been a number of big cult leaders. Um, I think the biggest impact, though, is when I was 16, I read Helter Skelter, and that really freaked me out. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to to this day, like home invasion movies, like that's kind of my weakness. Like that, that really, it's un. I'm the same way. The others, or whatever that one was, the, or the Strangers, Funny Games, like all those, they they creep me <laughs> out. I can't even handle wait until dark. <laughs> the Alan Arkin, uh, Audrey Hepburn movie. You know, no, I understand, man. No, that's icky. I, I can appreciate that. And um, yeah, I, I'll tell you. As far as Helter Skelter goes, um, I remember when the the TV miniseries because oh, it was more than one chapter was on television. Yeah. Steve Rails and it, it killed his career. It murdered his career. Charles Manson is guilty of another murder because Steve Railsback was so good in that that he couldn't get a job for years. And and how about the hot girlfriend now that he apparently is going to marry Manson? 
Have you heard about that recently? Uh, yeah, I mean that Yikes. that stuff is weird. I mean, you know. Oh, oh, please! I mean, yeah, she's you know she's getting her book deal ready. <laughs> Not to be crass, you know. Well, whatever. This is this is weird, weird stuff. Uh, weird stuff. If I could be Johnny Carson first. <laughs> no, that's uh, I can appreciate that, man. And of course, you give. Um, and I, and I'm forgetting now uh, his name. The the kid. Uh, Travis is the kid. Travis. Okay, it is Travis. Yeah, Tra- uh, Travis and his poor red eye. You know, I mean. <laughs> He's kind of got this mark of the devil uh, yeah. about it to begin with and stuff. But uh, so does his dad. You know, obviously, yes, indeed, yes, and you you definitely will see the uh, the the uh, roots of his uh, of his origins in the design that uh, Tony has given his father. Uh, it's it's good, man. It's it's really cool. And like yeah, the, you, like I said, you, you'll meet some of the extended family as well. And uh, it really good beginning. You've, you let me read the, the first two issues, and I, I think it's really interesting. When does issue one come out? Uh, May twenty seventh. So it, it's in the March previews. So for cool. for anyone out there who is interested, just please tell your local store to add it to your uh, pull list because it's really important for indie guys. I know you hear Image, so you think oh big company, but really it's it's creator owned, independent comic book making under the banner of Image, and so yes, like, like every issue, every order counts. So uh, if you guys like it, please order ten. But that's the thing, and I and honestly, I would put it with, I think uh, things like near is it near dead? I know Jay Ferber's book. Um, I mean, it's if you guys like you know, listeners, if you like criminal, if you like interesting crime, then uh, Sons of the Devil is going to fit right next to these things, and uh, you will not be disappointed. You know, Jason Aaron, Men of Wrath, and so- Southern Bastards currently. That's my favorite uh, book currently, Southern Bastards. Oh yeah, I, man! I, I love no. it. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, the Jasons are doing quite good on that. <laughs> but that's the thing. I, I um, this is a this is a really great time, and I'm really pleased that uh, so many of you that are doing the image thing are really coming with such top quality material. Uh, the writing and 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 Tony's art speak for itself. And really, people just need to you know check this out. Like, are they able to? Is there a preview online or anything like that that they can see? Um, well, there is on. On Previews World, which is the you know the Diamond uh, website, th- there's three pages that are online uh, right now. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to release some more pages. Uh, okay. The co- is the cover is the cover on there too? Yeah, actually, there, there's a couple of covers. I think I tweeted the cover to issue three not too long ago, also. Uh, oh, cool. But uh, yeah, so the, the images are out there, and and the thing is, like, people don't know who Tony is, so I, I think that you know that makes it a little bit more of an uphill battle. But when you see his art, he is. He is one of the top guys out there. He's so good. And every issue, like every page I get, like he's moving the camera around and making all these, yes. these interesting choices. Like in issue three, there's this one page where he's just it's, – it's two people having a conversation on, on steps. Like one's high and one's low. And like where he positioned the camera on all those angles, like it was my favorite page he did. And, and like almost nothing happens on that page in terms of action and it was my favorite page. No, a lot of dynamic design. Absolutely. And – um it's no, it's. I mean, you know, I, I know you'll appreciate the comparison. It's Vertigo qual- quality good. It really is. Well, thank you. Um, and and I'm glad to say that a lot of image stuff uh, has matched that kind of high bar. That you know, for a while, that's really the only place that we were seeing it. And and the good news is, is that um, all you guys, you, you guys find these really interesting artists. Um, is he is he from Italy? Uh, he's actually uh, he lives in Barcelona. So he's, okay. he's a Spaniard, I guess. Uh, type Fantastic. Of. Yeah, you know what's funny is I've never talked to him. I've never like like seen his face or had a conversation with him. It's all been via email. I feel like I know him because we've corresponded so much and obviously collaborating. But uh, but 
and I've never actually talked to the guy. It's so it's such a strange world we live in. No language barriers or anything. Uh, he he does he does fine. Uh, like all uh, in email, like he does absolutely fine. So uh, he either he's fluent in English or you know he has a great you know translation program. But I I have no problems <laughs> uh, uh, with communicating with him. Excellent. And I would imagine, uh, you know, I mean, how much are you leaving as far as designing? I mean, is it all him? And you're just like, holy shit, I turned in a script. Look what he did with it. Well, what I tend to do is I, I include a lot of JPEGs. Uh, I do a lot of research because a lot of times I, mean, I do think visually. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yes. and so I, will, I will send him JPEGs. You know, like I did my version of the casting of it and I gave him JPEGs of the actors who I thought sort of physically embodied the, who I wanted. And I said, you know, just riff off of that, make it your own. But this is kind of what I see, you know, uh, even even, you know, obviously down to using the uh, the locations in, in the film as reference for some stuff that happens in issue three, like the like, you know, the bar scene uh, or, you know, uh, uh, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I think he, get, he I give him as much as I can, but I don't tend to I don't tell him where to put the camera. Like if, if it needs to be mm-hmm. a, a one shot, a two shot, a wide shot for effect, like I, I'll move it forward and backwards but in terms of you know and, and tell them well maybe you know on this character on that character but uh, i leave it to his interpretation you know so if he wants to add more panels or, or if he can combine a couple panels you know what he's the artist you know i'm the writer that's why it's a collaboration that's excellent is um is the film going to be available to readers is it is because you let me see it i don't know if it's oh gonna... it's actually it's on vimeo if you do a, a search on vimeo for uh, sons of the devil on vimeo You'll see it for free. It's up. It's up and available to watch right now. I think it's a great calling card for the comic because I really do think it, it explains the premise really well. Uh, the uh, the acting is very very strong, and I really congratulations on. Hey, did you li- absolutely? You did know, you like the credit sequence? Absolutely, and really, I you know uh, it remind like I said, it reminded me of Cinemax in terms of that kind of uh, the way they do strike back at Banshee and shows like that. Um, why? What? How, tell me about the credits. Uh, the credits. I uh, my brother uh, did. I asked him to help me out with it, and so he uh, storyboarded it. And then uh, you know he did his pie in the sky storyboard, and then I, uh, you know, my producers and I, we we figured out what we can actually get, and we went and shot all this stuff, and uh, you know had a had a guy you know put it together in After Effects, and then uh, Kyle uh, Kyle Higgins, uh, who you know well, uh, did he. Uh, he uh, introduced me to a fellow named Christopher Carter, who is a composer who worked on, like, uh, I think Batman Beyond and a bunch of other stuff. And so he composed a piece of original music, which is which is the credits. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, I mean, wow. I, I had temp music in there, uh, you know. Uh, okay. Uh, there's a song called uh, Seven Devils" uh, that I had as temp music, and that was sort of like the starting point. But he totally made it his own, and and like. I, it's a cat. It's a catchy piece of material. Like I would love uh, to be able to use it again because I think he did such an amazing job. No, and I, you know, believe me, I know you're make you are making a quality comic book, and I don't want people to misunderstand. I also know, and we've talked about this before. You are an aspiring filmmaker as well, and I really think this is a very strong calling card for you. And I hope that it opens some doors if it hasn't already. Well, I've just started shopping it. You know, fingers crossed. Hollywood's an interesting, you know, business. Sometimes, oh yeah, you know, dark is either. I mean, the the I, the rap that I get on meetings with my material and my pilots here and there is too small, too dark. That's that that tends to be uh, my rap. Is that my my ideas? I guess aren't uh, at mainstream or you know, I don't know what it is. I, I write dark stuff a lot of times. <laughs> now, this is the feedback back you're getting from 
potential producers or potential studios yeah, or yeah what, what, on uh, you know on like my original material like uh, I've written a few pilots and I've shopped a few things and that but is go on yeah no I mean that just that tends to be I, I have this uh, this feature that I want to get fun, uh, funding for but it's really dark it's a it's it's a crime thriller and it's dark and it goes some places that may make people uncomfortable. And so, you know, I know that it's not something that Amazon give me money right now to do. That I'm going to have to sell something else and leverage, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, relationships in the future to be able to do that movie. But isn't it interesting? Because I would think that small and even dark might appeal to some of these platforms that are now popping up. And it's, it, you know, I would think that you know, small to me sounds like you know, you can make something affordable, but still effective. And I would think that that might appeal to you know well, uh, one of these one of these streaming platforms right now that are so into original content. Yeah, and, and I think the dynamic is changing. But the problem with the studios is they want to make movies at a price range that's above twenty million. You know what I mean? And so any movie that's like five million, ten million, like they don't they don't see the they don't see how you can make a movie for five million and then make a profit of twenty million. How that's a good thing, you know? They they want to they want to aim high. They want to throw their money into things that cost you know forty, fifty, a hundred million and make a billion. You know, I understand, and I and I know too that in the nineties, I forget which studio really kind of strived to do like five and ten million dollar movies, thinking, okay, great, you know, in in this cable environment, you know, we'll we'll make our money back along with the box office, and the films really didn't. Right. They like they barely broke even. I know like the gun in Mary Lou's handbag was an example of that. Mm-hmm. Just I know there's a title out of my ass. I realize, but <laughs> you know, if you worked in a video store, you'd know exactly what I was talking about in the '90s. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it is interesting. And I would again, I I would just think that um, there there might be you know as you say things are changing, and we'll see what, what opportunities present themselves. But yeah, that you know, if anything, well, as far as doing it yourself. Because, like you said, it cost you thirty thousand to make what you made. Right. Like you know, I mean, I know Rodriguez. I love watching Robert Rodriguez's film schools on his DVDs and stuff, and making, you know, stuff on a shoestring as he originally did. Right. You know, I mean, how, you know, how much of that stuff have you done, and would you, you know, would you consider doing that as you continue? Well, to I mean, it, pursue bigger jobs. It's my third short film that I've done, so I think I, I've, I've uh, upped the ante each time. And the next thing I do is going to be a feature. Um, as far as budget, like, you know, at, at the end of the day, you need the money. And, uh, right. and to shoot, a, you know, and to have any kind of production value at all, at all, you need to have a real crew. And that, co- and that costs money. So it's really hard to do a, a movie for under a million. That's, that's a feature that anyone will really take seriously. Uh, okay. And that's the tough thing. You know, uh, in the digital space, you know, I think last year everyone was talking about digital shorts and, and that's what I positioned um, – Sons of the Devil to be, but like in in the last six months, like all that money, like like big name people like Spike Lee are are delving into the digital and taking that money, and so people now don't want the the nine and ten minute episodic uh, uh, digital stuff. They want long form content. So now I've got a short, whereas you know it's going to be harder for me to sell that as a series now because people, you know, sort of the tone of the industry or whatever the tides of the industry uh, is saying they want longer form content. Interesting, because I would think that that does kind of represent an effective pilot. What you shot for Sons of the Devil, yeah, I mean, but but I understand, you know. 
Well, like you said, you're just starting to shop it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I had I had a couple of meetings and a couple of passes so far, but usually it's it's because one, it was they wanted to see more of the comic, and then the other one, they had a project that was very similar. Okay. So you know, right. uh, you, you just you know you just keep trying, you know. All right. Well, you know, and people, I'm I'm glad because I think people, if they do see the movie, they will be interested to see where the story goes, and we'll pursue the comics. So yeah, go to Vimeo and look up Sons of the Devil. Yep. And and you will find uh, Brian's efforts and, and company because yeah, it's a full production and it's it is uh, just under twelve minutes and uh, absolutely worth your time. Well, thanks, and, uh, man. and I th- absolutely and it's no, like I say, I think it's a really good indication of what people will find when they when they check out the comic. You're going to be at uh, Chicago at C two E two, and that's late late April. Correct. And I imagine will you have copies there? Um, I'm not sure. It comes out May 27th. I don't know that I'll have uh, physical copies. Uh, okay. Um, because I know that you know, usually it's a month before that you turn the, the issues in to, to get printed, and I don't think they print early. I would love for them to be. I'd love to have copies, but I don't. I don't know if that's going to be possible. Are you going to have a table beyond uh, any DC signings that you're doing at C two? Yeah, I'll be in Artist Alley, so uh, you know I'll have prints and uh, and I'll probably print up some posters and stuff uh, and some cool. giveaway stuff for Sons of Devils because uh, you know I'm obviously I'm really passionate about it and I'm pretty proud of it. So uh, you know, uh, full force, full speed ahead. Excellent. What other shows are you doing this year? Um, I'm not doing uh, Emerald City, which I normally do. Um, you know what? I haven't really – I did Long Beach uh, last week or the week before. Yeah, how'd it go? Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, it it's go? good. I mean it, I go every time. You know, There's there's like a, a nice little group of, of uh, fans that come every time to that show, so it's always nice to see them. And you know, they're, they're always very, uh, they're very flattering. And, and uh, So I, they do it twice a year, the Long Beach show. So I usually go to that mm-hmm. one. Uh, I'll do New York. I'm going to do San Diego. I got my cool. I got my hotel uh, for San Diego. It's that, that <laughs> weird lottery. I didn't get the. Hotel. I understand. I got my sixth choice. La- last year I got my first choice. This year I got my sixth. Do you do your own room, or do you still spring break it with like uh, with guys? Well, I have a girlfriend, so so uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it's an, it's an expensive, you know, four or five days. I'll tell you that. I- I, you don't have to tell me about it, but I'm well aware. Exactly. Um, we saw each other last year, in fact. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, how about uh, is the son going to make the trip to San Diego or no? Um, he'll. You know, I'm worried about tickets this time around. I understand. Uh, my professional status. Apparently, every three years you have to renew your professional status. I go through that with the press. I know exactly and, what you mean. And going I guess you know. I, I guess I missed it, so the deadline passed. So I'm not going to have my professional badge. I'm going to have my exhibitor badge, but I won't have my professional badge. And usually, you know, I was able to at least have two at minimum, and then sure. and then DC. But now that DC has moved to Burbank, I don't see them giving me extra passes anymore because there's going to be so many people who want to go to the show who actually work <laughs> at DC who are able to go. Right. I can... <laughs> Where are you based again, Brian? So I'm in Santa Monica. Okay, there you go. Very cool. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'll, I'm going to try to get them out at least for for a day or two, but uh, who knows, you know. Do you ever – I always ask Fialkoff when he comes on uh, about any uh, fun old movie uh, things that might be going on in L.A. that he might have caught. Uh, did you get to see anything interesting? Have you, you, know, have you done uh, anything fun? Uh, let's see. Not in the recent, recent history. The last two movies I saw, uh, I saw uh, – w- I went with Kyle uh, when Thief was coming out uh, with their Blu-ray. They had wow. they had a screening and then Michael Mann was there. Nice. So that was pretty awesome to listen to him talk for for an hour or half hour, however long it was. That was pretty sweet. Um, Hands down, my favorite Michael Mann film. 
Absolutely. Uh, the 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 ending, like it's probably my top five endings of all. Time. It, it's it really it's like James Conn's last cool role before he became middle aged James Conn. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, I mean, and I like I got no problem with middle aged James Conn because that's where <laughs> alienation and all that fun stuff happened, and he's and he's developed into a wonderful character, senior actor. Right. But this was like the last great leading role I think that he had. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. I think you're right. And, you know, and, g- g- gambler, obviously, Godfather. You know, Brian song. Yeah, what, what was that weird? Uh, that weird uh, man, secret agent one with like the martial arts. <sighs> he gets betrayed by um, Robert Duvall. Killer Elite. The Killer Elite. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's a great. Yeah. You see, now that's closer to Godfather time. So yeah, yeah, that was like like a year or two after Godfather, and that's the thing, man. The Gambler, another great movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then you know, something, yeah, he just took a weird left turn. I don't know what the hell happened. And I, I'll, I'll even confess, I like Chapter Two, the Neil Simon <laughs> movie with Marsha Mason. But yeah, you know, it's all right. I think what happened but was yeah. the eighties happened. That also yeah, happened. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, you see, I, you got to understand. I was, I was a teenager, so I'm like, hey, this stuff's great. <laughs> yeah. Like- uh, but I, you know, John Santucci, who was Sergeant Urizzi. In uh, Thief, mm-hmm. he's a Chicago. Well, you know that thing was obviously shot all over the place in Chicago, right? And um, which, uh, what's the guy who who, uh, who who passed away not that long ago, a couple of years ago? Uh, Robert Robert Prosky? No, he was in he was in Thief. Uh, oh yes, uh, my um, yeah, guy. It's, yeah, it's Dennis. It's Dennis Prina. Dennis Prina. Yes, yeah, they, I think oh, that was his. He was a cop, and I think that was his first role, also. It, yeah, definitely early on for him. Absolutely, you know. Um, I, and, yeah, because that was. Uh, Thief was before Manhunter, yes, of course. And and uh, what was the TV show he did? Michael Mann's TV show, um, Crime Story. Oh, I love that show. Crime Story said, "I've got the. I'm looking at the box set on my uh, bookcase right now. <laughs> one my, absolutely, it's one of my favorite Chicago things. And yeah, Dennis Farina was was just amazing. Um, and Bill, William Peterson is an acquaintance. Yeah. And he's got and he's got a very small role in Thief. I but uh, I, you know he's the bartender in Thief. Right. Right. Yeah. I just got my girlfriend to watch Manhunter. She had never seen Manhunter. What'd she think? Uh, she liked it a lot. She liked it quite a bit. See, Brian Cox, man, an amazing Hannibal Lecter. You know what's funny? People, I mean, and obviously it predates uh, Silence of the Lambs. He, Absolutely. He's creepy in an entirely different way. Like, it's the same it's... character, but, like, I'm not as creeped out by by the Silence of the Lambs version as I am of Brian Cox. Like, Yeah, because, well, because we got used to... You know everybody imitating uh, Anthony Hopkins, and I think initially, sure, it was it was shocking. But yeah, there's a rawness to Manhunter that isn't there in um, Silence of the Lambs, or even, uh, and certainly not uh, Red. Uh, what's it, Red Dragon? Yeah, yeah, Red, Red Dragon. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but you know, for Ratner, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You know, for what it is. You know, it's funny. But, the, the beginning of Manhunter uh, totally reminds me of Helter Skelter, like when he goes through the, with the video camera. And and videotapes the crime scene like like that's sure. that that's that home invasion stuff that creeps me out totally. Absolutely, and no amazing cast in uh, in Manhunter as well. No, I'm a big Michael Mann fan. Oh. I, I, I I love a lot of his. Yeah, stuff. I haven't seen I haven't seen the, the the hacker one yet. Black Hat. Neither have I actually. Yeah. No, I haven't either. Uh, but yeah, I'd heard about it last year and everything. You know, I just haven't made time to see it. You know, I'm and I. I, I have to confess that a lot more movies I'm I'm waiting till I can rent them or whatever because the movie theater experience isn't what it used to be. You know? Well, there's a there's a theater um, near in Westwood called iPick that I, that I go to quite a bit. I actually went today. I took my son. He wanted to see uh, Kingsman. 
Uh, and how was it? It was fun. Like, like I liked it a lot. I had zero expectations, and I and like I, I had a good time at it. Like, it, it was a James Bond sort of mentor uh, yeah. type storyline. Oh, yeah. And uh, it just was executed really well, and it didn't take itself too seriously. I happen to like Matthew Vaughn stuff. Uh, Me too. Layer Cake, a Layer Cake I loved. Excellent movie. A- absolutely. Which is why when they announced Daniel Craig as Bond, it's like, yeah, he's got it. Yep. No problem. Yep. I had no doubt either. I was the same way. Yep. I think we're the same yep. person. We might be the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why. No, man. Uh, you know, I, I usually agree with a lot of what Higgins likes as well. So I can yeah. I can appreciate yeah. that. We're all coming from the same place. Absolutely. That's very good, man. Yeah. No, I, I, I uh, that's excellent, and that's good to hear about Kingsman because yeah, that is one that I do still want to see in the theater. And you know, I've talked to Mark and and uh, Dave Gibbons about it too, the comic. And uh, I'm I'm happy as hell for them. That's great. You know, I I I, I am so happy for Mark Miller. I mean, I just think he very quietly just keeps stacking good movies. Yeah. And and yeah, I, I think it made enough. enough. I think it made enough for a sequel. It made like two fifty worldwide. Like I, I mean, it cost yeah, cost eighty. So. so I'm I'm you know I think they have a shot at a sequel. Well, and as much as I think you know everyone wants U.S. success, Mark seems to be able to you know do well in the European field and everything. That I, I don't think it matters. I think I think you can count on it. I think there probably will be a, a sequel. Yeah, I think, and I and I, I think it wasn't that expensive to make either. I could be wrong. Well, on box office Mojo, it said it was eighty-one million. So, and if it made two fifty, that's pretty good, man. Well, it's two fifty worldwide. It, didn't, it made a hundred here, and then uh, okay, uh, you know. But still, I mean, I think I think that's enough. I mean, Matthew Vaughn probably uh, uh, has enough juice if he wants to make another one. He can make another one. There you go. And also, I know it got pushed back, and I forgot why it got. Maybe I don't know if it needed tinkering or they just wanted to. Give it a give it an easier weekend to succeed because things were so blocked up last summer. I'm not sure. Right. I don't know. Uh, I, I thought it was good. I, I recommend it. Very cool. Well, let's transition to DC because I'm uh, I'm interested in uh, first of all how you and Francis are being received uh, market wise because I'm so pleased to say that as as dynamic as your stuff was on the Flash, you guys are knocking it out with Detective and getting to do interesting things. Um, on Detective, it reminds me in spirit, not in look, but in spirit of when Rucka and Sean Martinborough were doing fun things on Detective. Oh, okay. For real, like ten years ago. Uh, well, I think I take that as a compliment. It was well, it was it was fun because it was experimental. I think in terms of the look, and I mean, although I I think your guys' style from a visual standpoint does kind of complement what Capullo is doing. It, you know, it can exist in the same universe, but I also think that. Especially like your covers, I love. I, I like. Tell me about who's doing these covers because oh, they're well, just. You know, honestly, those are all those are all Francis. Like he's designing that. He, he's designing them uh, with color in mind, so he's doing them all himself. I'm just sitting back and and watching him uh, pull together some pretty <laughs> amazing stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's it, it's it, it's a great looking book, and uh, you know, all right. Tell me about Anarchy because I got to be honest. When it comes to Batman villains, to me, Anarchy is kind of like Batman's um, – oh, God, and I just had it. Uh, what's his name? Carnage. It is – Anarchy is Carnage to the Joker's Venom to me. All right. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I, don't have, I don't have like – I never had this strong opinion about Anarchy. Like Francis really liked that character. Okay. And so he sort of – he wanted to tell a story about Anarchy. Um and so, I mean, for us, and I mean, 
Anarchy was an opportunity to to explore, you know, how, you know, what what would you what would you do if you had the chance to start over again? You know, sort of uh, re- yes. redefining yourself. No, it's a it's a it's a really good story. It's a very intriguing story. I like the premise and everything. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we could have used an extra issue because of convergence. We we had to to finish by forty. I think to mm-hmm. I think in hindsight, uh, and and we knew it at the time that four was going to be tight. Uh, I'm still happy with how it, the story came out, but I probably would have liked to explore a little bit more of uh, of the world of Gotham and how they were affected by what was going on with with the with the you know the in, the data being erased and and the masks being handed out you know like like that's the one thing i felt that that we couldn't service fully in the storyline and i and i forgive uh Brian are you guys uh, continuing with detective post uh, convergence or yeah we are are working on uh uh our next story uh, right now so uh, uh we're we'll be back after the two issue break with convergence um okay and tell me about the tie-in to end Endgame that you uh, that you did the one shot. Yes, yeah, so, is it just one or is it gonna, is it is it one and then right because next month's convergence? Yeah, it was just a one shot. I think they just you know they just wanted to show different aspects of how Endgame uh, and, and the Joker toxin was affecting people. So um, it's interesting because I, I did the, the I wrote the Detective Comics Endgame, but uh, you know like there was really no way to do a Batman story as a one off when. You know, Endgame was the Batman story, so we focused on you know. So I was asked to focus on on teens and how how they w- how it would affect them, and so for me, I saw it as an opportunity to do two things, and one is to pick up pick up and use a character that we had in our Anarchy arc, which is Lonnie, uh, who many people obviously will know as uh, Anarchy in in a previous continuity. Um, so a chance to use him, and also uh, this was also going down around the time of the Bat Summit, so. Uh, uh, Lee Bermejo was there and uh, was talking about, you know, he's doing the We Are Robin book. Uh, and so I, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, uh, are there any characters you want me to tee up? Uh, because I have a story that takes place in Gotham and there's teens and this and that. So uh, he let me use, you know, three of his his characters from We Are Robin. Uh, and so they're kind of their first appearance is, is in this little endgame issue, which is a one-off. And it's pretty straightforward. I wasn't trying to, you know, like uh, – uh, sort of you know recreate the wheel or anything i just wanted to tell a story about these about one kid who was trying to get to his his mom and these other kids that uh, helped him get there so um it was it was fun you know uh, and i think it's cool that that i got to introduce some characters who hopefully people will really like in the we are robin series that's very cool is um without going into detail um you know, I, I I know that there is a new status quo that comes out of the end of Scott's story. Um, does that impact what you you and Francis have planned moving forward to Detective, or did it matter? I mean, no, you no, know, I mean, one hundred percent, yeah. Okay, so uh, I, we can't really speak in terms of uh, what our story is going to be. Uh, Understood, but you, I, I can tell you, it will have a heavy dose of Harvey, Harvey Bullock, because that's kind of that's kind of the guy that we've been latching onto. Yes. And so, yeah, you'll you'll see a lot of him, and also uh, Renee Montoya. Uh, so, uh, I think there can be a lot of people who are happy to hear that uh, we're bringing her into the fold. That's cool. No, man, I think you guys have had a tight run. I really do. I think uh, I think it's great. I I, I hope that um, I hope th- I don't know what the readership's been like, and I don't know what the response has been from the market. Tell me. Well, I think the, I think the numbers have been solid. Um, I I think Detective Comics always suffers from people thinking it's sort of like the other Bat book. Yes. Um, and, and let's face it, like, you know, uh, how 
how Scott and uh, and Greg go, so goes you know the Bat uh, uh, Office. Like they they are the tone setters. They they have the big epic stories, and so uh, Francis and I just had to find our our niche, you know. And so we kind of positioned ourselves as more of a, like an art house uh, style detective book. So you know, uh, smaller stories. Um, uh, you, you don't see the Jokers and the and the Riddlers in our in our books. <laughs> <laughs> but you do get you do get the murder mystery and you do get yes. you know uh the sort of detective part of detective comics. So I think that's kind of what we keyed in on and that's really why we you know we latched on to Harvey. But I also think it is it is still, you know, at its heart a very strong Batman book. And I mean that's you know, let's not forget that Scott obviously uh while he did his detective run kind of laid the groundwork that led to him getting the flagship and stuff. And I do think that if Batman fans are not reading detective, they're really missing out on some, some great stories and really, again, I, I think very eye catching design of, of what you guys are, are putting together. Um, I, I like it a lot and I, and I do recommend it and say that, yeah, there's, this is not a, this is not a second rate Batman. This is, this is quality Batman and people, if you're not reading it, you should catch up. How many collections uh, have you got out there of your guys stuff? Um, I think we've done two arcs. So this will be our third arc. It's the third arc. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and here's the interesting bit of trivia for those out there. Uh, Wait, now the anarchy one is this, that's the third arc that you're wrapping up, right? Or, no, or no. That's it's only the second. Right. Right. I'll be damned. Okay. Yeah. Um, so a interesting piece of trivia. You know that we have not had one inner monologue with uh, Batman, not one caption of inner monologue with Batman in our run. I seem to remember you telling me that last yeah. time, which is fantastic. Our, our That's streak is still going strong. <laughs> That's great. You know, honestly, it's like when Legends of the Dark Knight was just chugging along. And every now and then you'd get this amazing arc, and it's like, oh my god, that's really, really good. And it had nothing to do with what was going on in the flagship, but you know, it's this cool Batman story, and that's the thing. And I think, and I, I know we talked about this last time as well that if if you didn't want to invest in the big story, I mean, it doesn't hurt that obviously what Scott's playing with right now, Joker, and uh, tying back into uh, you know, death of the family. Is it of? I forget which. Uh, preposition. If it's in, if it's on the family, if it's in the family, I think it's. I think it's death of the family. I believe it is of the family as well. I'm slightly teasing, but I. Uh, <laughs> but I do. Uh, but no, honestly, I, you know, Scott, Scott and Greg are, are doing a great job. But so are you guys. And um, yeah, I, I would say if you're not, I mean, DC makes it hard to say that you're not getting enough Batman in your life. <laughs> but the real question is, are you getting quality Batman in your life? And uh, I, you know, I gotta say, up and down. I, I love the Batman sixty six book. Is there ever is there ever any goofball idea that you'd like to do in sixty six? Not really. Like like you know, I mean, I remember I was a little kid, you know, watching Batman in my in my sure. in my chair eating you know Ritz crackers or whatever. Um, <laughs> and you know, it was it was back when it used to be they'd, they'd play uh, Batman and they'd play the the old Superman. So. Uh, nice. I remember I wasn't even school age yet, and I was watching them, and so I have real fondness for for, mm-hmm. for those, but they don't spark me creatively. Okay, uh, I can yeah. I can appreciate that. Yeah, I just I just enjoy them for what they are. No worries. Are there? I mean, obviously, you know. Well, we'll see what happens with the story because I would imagine that would dictate what what villains might be coming up uh, with you guys as well. Um, it is, it's interesting though. And I, and it's funny that Francis has this, this affinity for anarchy. Cause like I said, it's just, um, every, Hey man, every decade, you know, whatever I, KGB, 
KG Beast is a joke to people, <laughs> and and I and I loved him when he came out. I'm like, this is awesome, and I think I'm sure I've told Chuck Dixon how much I love KG Beast <laughs> and and stuff like that. So no, everyone's got their yeah. their era of Batman villains that that you know everyone else thinks is goofy, and it's like, no man, he's awesome. Yeah, there was an old Marvel uh, team called the Soviet Super Soldiers, and I used to like them. <laughs> Fantastic. Ursa Major was like this big giant bear character. <laughs> was it in Cap? Was it in Captain America? No, it was – I want to I, I wanna say Hulk and Fantastic Four. Okay, because I was going to say, yeah, now that I started thinking about it, I'm like, I kind of remember the thing fighting those guys. Maybe in Marvel 2 and 1 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Jesus, that's hilarious. Yeah. Do you have Marvel ideas? Do you have, do you have any ambitions to ever uh, go across the street? Um, I, you know, I don't know if I have like hard ambitions, like I'm, I'm seeking anybody out. Uh, the X-Men were, were my, they were my favorite comics growing up. I love X-Men. I love Hulk. I love Spider-Man. Um, I, unfortunately I don't know Marvel continuity at all. And which it may not matter because I think they're doing number ones again. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how many number ones they've had for X-Men and Avengers in the past five years, but they seem to have had a lot. Coming out of Convergence, is there anything else that you're going to be working on? Uh, have they announced any other books for you? Well, I'm on Injustice, but that's outside the – Yes. Yeah, and tell, you know, tell me about Injustice, man, because that has really been so much fun uh, and, and I really think a, a great surprise. Uh, the last thing anybody expected was a computer game tie-in book to actually be good. Yeah, and interesting and really fun world building. Honestly, you you can thank Tom Taylor up and down because he <laughs> created that world. Like he took he took. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess the good thing, right, is that the video game, uh, the inciting incident, and the video game are five years apart, right? So right. there's that huge gap, and so it's kind of perfect for for a stories to explore those years in between. So I think it's one, it's a great opportunity, and two, it's. The entire DC universe in this alternate, you know, universe. So, like Tom had everything at his disposal. Like he could go ahead and kill Nightwing, and you know he can have Superman beat Green Arrow to death. You know, uh, he can have you know uh, Harley hang out with you know fight Lobo and hang out with Green Arrow, and you know like like all these amazing things that that you wouldn't get, that you would never see in the regular book. And it's like you know literally all bets are off. So I can totally see how people would want to read these stories. And then after, when you get through all that, you've got Batman versus Superman. Like, come on. Like, well, but uh, you, the great thing is, yeah, you got uh, clearly the well hasn't run dry because how many years has this been been going on now? Three years? Uh, yeah, I just uh, uh, turned in the first four chapters of year four. That's crazy, man. Yeah, well, the, that's fantastic. I mean, the intention is to do five years because there's five years between between those two things. So I guess so in real time that would make sense. Yeah, that's well, that's amazing because I, you know, how many how many computer game adaptations are six and done, or if you're lucky, even twelve and done. I know, I know, and I, I really like. It's one of those times when you know when they asked me if I wanted to do it. Uh, first of all, they just straight up asked me, and I didn't have to pitch or anything like that. And I had read like I think the first trade. Uh, and I had to go back and reread all the other, uh, you know, the years, the end of year one, and then all of year two, and then ha- almost half of year three. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Like I, I had a lot of fun reading it, like as a fan. So like it was a no brainer to obviously say yes. But beyond that, it's like it's a pleasure when you're picking up after someone who did such an amazing job and set the table, and and there's still so much more left to explore, you know. 
it's the best of both worlds because I, I think, you know, it, and especially given that um, it just happened a month ago at the Long Beach show when they had the Dwayne McDuffie Awards, I was thinking about Dwayne's run on, uh, on Justice League and how unfortunate it was because you really had one of the best Justice League writers and he was told, well, by the way, and, and really James Robinson suffered the same thing. Well, you can't have Superman. And of course, Batman's too busy. And no, you can't have Wonder Woman. And you can't. And he's like literally at the point. I remember Dwayne complaining about it online. Well, how about Adam and Hawkman? Nope, nope. So you get all the toys in um, Injustice, but also, like you, you know, there is room to break some of these characters completely. Yeah. And it's like, fine, that's awesome, man. No, there can be consequences because it is an alternate universe, and you can do this crazy shit. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it, it's it's super fun. I mean, I'm doing something that probably no one would imagine. You're for, uh, I'm bringing in the Greek gods. And it's not like DC has a huge history with the Greek gods. Uh, you know, like. But is it, are they representative of, like, the times that they have kind of dabbled? Because we've seen Atlas, we've seen Hercules, we've seen, you know, you tell me. Well, uh, Ares has been in the in the Injustice book. And Ares. Right? He's a playable character in the game, and he's he's been in the series. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously the, the Amazonian connection to right. the Greek gods, uh, I've sort of riffed off of that. Um, it's going to be more – it's going to be just sort of my classic Greek mythology take on uh, those characters. Like my Hercules is going to be not, li- not like Hercules you've seen before. He's not going to be the, the, the Marvel or DC Hercules. Like, I don't remember ever seeing Zeus or, you know, Hermes. True. So, you know, I'm just going to – I'm doing my own thing. I just decided, you know, if the book is called Gods Among Us, wouldn't it be cool if there really were gods against these so-called gods among us? Very good challenge. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and, and some cool stuff's going to happen because uh, uh, I'm using the Wonder Woman origin, uh, sort of the revised origin where Zeus is her father. Mm-hmm. So so there's definitely ties, and Wonder Woman will, will be a huge part of uh, of year four. Are you hoping to take it to the year five and everything? And, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I've been told that it, it's my, it's my, my job to lose. In other words, uh, okay. If people stop buying it and it tanks and they have to, and they cancel it, then I will not be able to. But uh, it seems to be doing pretty well, so I think I'll have my my shot at year five. And I already know what year okay. five is. I'm not going to spoil it, but I already know what year five is going to be. Does year four start in June? It starts in May, actually. They're already drawing. Okay. It. Okay, because then I was going to say that obviously it's not impacted by convergence, is it? Well, it's outside. Um, yeah, it's outside. Yeah, that's right. Regular continuity, obviously. And, yeah. Well, and even beyond that, it's also outside of the New York offices because a lot uh, they they positioned right convergence uh, to sort of help facilitate uh, all the people moving over from New York to to California. Of course, of course, absolutely. All right. But uh, but it also was a digi- it's a digital first property too, so it was already kind of I'm assuming coming out of that office, correct? Right, right. So I, all my dealings were at a Burbank. I got to tell you man, um I think Hank uh, is it Can- I never know how to say his name right. Canals? Yeah, Canals. Honestly, I, I have to hand it to him because I think uh that has been like the most consistent office just cranking out quality stuff, everything, the Adventures of Superman stuff, the Legends of the Dark Knight stuff, the Wonder Woman stuff, uh, the Batman 66 and Injustice. I, I just think uh, up and down Batman Beyond. Yeah, Kyle's running on Batman Beyond was really good. Absolutely. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Ab- no, interesting, really, really interesting stuff. It speaks to the core of DC and it, it you know – 
both it, it was a, it's a really good digital project property rather and it's also really good on the on the uh, in the direct market stands as well it's it's just really solid stuff they've they've got some really good editors there uh Alex Antone uh, uh Jim Chadwick is my editor on uh, on Injustice uh not surprised I'm a big uh, Jim uh, Jim is always a guy I always stop and say hello to uh, every time he's, he's awesome he's, and you know he good guy. he likes all the same movies that we like I do. I, you know, that's funny. We've never <laughs> talked with me. So I'm gonna have to, I'll have to do that if I see him at uh, C2E2. I hope he's coming out. Yeah, man. Chat him up. Um, so, yeah. Good guy. Did, did you check out my – I wrote the, the NBA TNT uh, comic for the All-Star game. I did not. Shame on me. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Who drew it for you? Um, you know, I don't recall the artist's name because they told me one person. Then at the end of the day, someone else uh, ended up doing it. Okay. But, uh, and who, did, Jim, did Jim edit that? Uh, that was Alex Antone. Okay. It was just a cool little story. It was, uh, you know, the 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 TNT crew. So it was, you know, Kenny and uh, and Charles and and Shaq, and uh, I sort of had them recreate the race because they had this whole thing where they had that race uh, a couple years ago where where they had a foot race. Um, no, I didn't know that they actually did that on the TNT show. Yeah, they did a foot race, and uh, <laughs> like three of them get, did a false start, and Chris Webber ended up winning, and Charles was so far behind. Um, that was terrible. <laughs> so what I did was I did I did a ra- the race too, and and each of the guys had their own superhero uh, to help them. So, oh, that's fine. So yeah, who did who did they go to for advice? Uh, well, so what happened was uh, since it was in New York, the race was from Barclays to MSG, and and <laughs> and so they, they basically they they were they drafted Justice Leaguers in the order of All Star appearances. So Shaq went first. And so obviously he took Superman. He took Superman, and then of course and then uh, Charles took Flash, uh, <laughs> and then it, it was Kenny and um, uh, what and Ernie. And since Ernie uh, never played, he got the third pick because Kenny had the opportunity to be an All Star and wasn't. And so uh, uh, Ernie uh, takes Wonder Woman, and then uh, Kenny's left with Batman. And so then they got they got a race. So it was fun, you know. It was a fun comic. Is it is it available online? I don't know if it's available online. They sent me comps. Uh, next, I'll have to put one in my in my suitcase. And next time I see you, uh, absolutely, yeah, you got to a copy. No, that'll be hilarious. Absolutely, man. Well, that's fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to write. Good. I was gonna say, good chance to obviously put a lot of humor into that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I have uh, Flash getting tired from having to have Charles on his back and. You know stuff like that. Did they show it on camera during All Star Week? Uh, they did. You know they 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 showed it on camera and you know they they talked about it for a couple of minutes. So that was pretty cool. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> that's cool. God damn, that's really funny. That I <laughs> see now. It's been it's unfortunately it's been like ten years since I've been in sports radio. <laughs> so I've kind of I've kind of unplugged from the day to day stuff. But I mean I'll, I'll still get excited to watch a game. I got to be honest, you know, I'm a big boxing fan, and I don't know how much we've ever talked about that. But they announced, you know, Pacquiao and Mayweather, and as as happy as I am, a big part of me is just very cynical and like uh, this was already past its prime five, three years. Yeah, ago. five years too late. I, I think you're right, and actually, you're probably right. It is more like five years too late, and it just it boxing continues to just fuck itself over, and they don't even know what they're doing. It's. I mean, because I remember when uh, Roy Jones and Bernard Hopkins finally fought their rematch, literally twenty years yeah. after their first fight, and it's just obscene that they wait that long. It's just. It's. It's ridiculous. You know, absolutely ridiculous. I, I absolutely. I mean, I used to love, love, love boxing. I remember being in the dentist office as a kid. Right. I'm talking like eight to eight to twelve or whatever, 
and in the dentist office they would have Sports Illustrated, and I w- and every time I would go, I would grab the Larry Holmes Ali one. Uh, there was the uh, the Holmes uh, Cooney. Uh, yep. so I, like there was like, all these Sports Illustrated that that I, that I would read over and over again, and like I was fascinated because back then like they had all these. You know, you didn't really get to watch them, so you read about them, and they had all these full color pictures, like with all the blood on the trunk. Yes. Uh, like I loved boxing ever since ever since I was a kid, and the last fight that I remember really giving a damn about was probably probably Tyson Holyfield too. Like I don't remember what what I don't know what fight after that I really cared about. Well, I went a little bit longer being in sports radio and boxing being my thing. Uh, but no, you're right, and it's it's really gotten worse. And God, I mean, you're even leaving off some of the best years of Sports Illustrated, the middleweights and welterweights when Leonard and Hagler and Hearns and and Duran were fighting each other. Yeah, I mean, and and it, it, they were at God the Hearns the Hearns Hagler fight was a world discussion in the same way that the first Ali Frazier fight was yep. a world discussion. Yep, I mean, it, and it was three rounds of just absolute action. It was incredible. I was working in Bloomington, Illinois on a local adult contemporary radio station. And like you said, it was back then pay-per-views were on Monday nights and there wasn't even paper. Like you had to go to a theater to watch it because it was closed circuit and everything. And, um, they, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I luckily working at this radio station, we had a teletype machine and they were giving round by round descriptions and wow. stuff and that's how I experienced it and then literally the next week picked up the sports illustrated magazine and they have pictures of you know literally them carrying Hearns out of the ring right i mean it was just the, one of the most dramatic things and you know when when boxing's at its best it is it is dramatic and it is poetic and i know that it's still a blood sport and i know that there are people cringing as i well, describe it like this but, but you know. yeah and then, and then i mean yeah and then was it uh, Hagler and Leonard like that fight yeah, eighty-seven, and, and th- that that one there there was so much controversy over it. Of him, did he steal the rounds, and who really won the fight, and you know? Yeah, Dennis Dennis Cowens and I uh, were talking, we're going back and forth on Facebook in a in a good way because um, I think Sugar Ray Leonard had posted um, some some highlights from from the fight, and yeah, I, I you know I think Hagler allowed Leonard to steal those early rounds, and it was a very close fight. And, uh, you know, again, I do think Leonard deserved the decision because he was the busier fighter. Hagler just thought he wasn't doing anything because it wasn't hurting him. And he just kind of let Ray dictate the pace of the first four rounds. Twelve-round fight. There goes a third of the fight. Yeah, if it, if it, was, if it was 15 rounds, Hagler would have knocked him out, I bet. I kind of think so. And especially when you saw the Hearns-Leonard rematch where, frankly, Tommy Hearns won that fight, and yep. they really screwed him. Yep. They screwed him bad. Yep. And it was a dr- bullshit. It was a draw. No, Tommy Hearns earned that fight, and he won. And, again, taking nothing away from Sugar Ray Leonard, because Leonard was a, is an amazing fighter and an all-time great. Uh, his book is fascinating. Is it? Yeah, it really is. And he's, he he uh, confesses to a lot of uh, you know his own demons and, and things. So I was pretty impressed by his honesty in the book. But, it's uh, yeah, it's too bad. Anyway. <laughs> That's a- so there's fight corner for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, let's talk about convergence. Now you got you you've got a fun you got a fun two parter uh, coming up for that. Yeah, I, I have. Uh, uh, it's not the sexiest uh, of of the convergence <laughs> titles, but uh, I, I've got the 1964 Crime Syndicate. So it's it's the classic uh, version of the Crime Syndicate, not the not the Forever Evil one, which I do like quite a bit. But it's a different version of the crime syndicate. So, so are they goofy? Are they Silver Age goofy? 
Well, okay. Well, I'll I'll, I'll give you, I'll give a little explanation after I and they they go up against the one million uh, Justice League, which is the eight hundred fifty third century. It's that that uh, that event that uh, Grant did, uh, I think, in the nineties or very early two thousands. But yeah. yeah, I remember it absolutely. So, uh, but they, but the premise for convergence is that these cities were taken, right? So uh, once the cities are taken, the all the heroes lost their. It's like cities are taken the moment before they're going to disappear from continuity, sort of. So uh, they're they're sort of snatched and put like almost like a ship in a bottle. Uh-huh. Um, but once they're in that bottle, they don't get have their powers anymore. So the stories take place a year after that. So whereas they were the the sort of fun loving. 1964 uh, bad guys who are, are all powerful but just want to rob a bank. Once they lose their powers, like my story starts a year later, so uh, I, I went somewhere else with it. Like I, I totally went somewhere else. Like uh, for that, so it's more comedy. Uh, it's not a com. My, I, I did not go the comedy way. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, I, I went darker, which I guess is the theme, right, with my writing. <laughs> Okay, it, it opens with Superwoman on death row, so uh, that that uh, should tell you. Well, there's a feel good for you, exactly. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so Ultra Ultraman will be facing uh, one million uh, Superman, obviously. Right, and uh, I'm not going to tell you uh, who wins, but uh, at least one of the ladies is standing at the end. Okay. <laughs> interesting. All right, very cool. It was fun. So. Um, hey, and you know, I don't know how much we talked about it when it was happening, but I really liked your uh, Dynamite Black Bat. Oh, thanks, man. Absolutely. I think that's an interesting character, and I think the fact that it was created literally parallel to the time of Detective 27 is very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. you almost wish you could go back and see really who influenced who more, you know? Yep. Well, and there's that movie from 1935 – and it's so funny because uh, it stays in the DC world where the Warner Archive podcast was talking about the original movie. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. It's uh, – damn it. I wish I had the title for it right now. But it's a 1935 movie and it very much leans towards the Black Bat where it is a district attorney that by night does put a hood on and a cape and he's got a butler and a sidekick. And it's really – if you listen to the Warner Archive podcast of it, they're like, really, this is Batman like – Wow, four years four years before Batman came out, so it is interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the omnibus just came out uh, not too long ago. Of the Black Bat, of the Black Bat, all twelve issues. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, unfortunately, I don't I don't know how well it did sales wise, but uh, I I grabbed the copy of it and uh, it looks good. It printed really good on some nice paper, and uh, I'm pretty happy with it. Like, uh, I wish I wish more people went out of their safe zones of Marvel and DC and bought other books because. Like Dynamite has done some really good stuff, and obviously I'm biased, but I, I think like I'm really proud of what I did with the Black Bat. Like, like I really tried to do sort of a a vigilante like Batman vigilante esque type story, but set it in a real world uh, with real stakes and a real person behind it, not sort of super smart Bruce Wayne guy, you know. Understood, and I and I know I think a lot of those um, 
pulp adaptations that Dynamite has been doing lately have really been like really solid stuff. And no, I enjoyed it very much. I think uh, you know, I read the first arc. I have to. I I didn't read your second uh, or your 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 second yeah. twelve, your second six. Right. But I do. But I do want to get it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, get that. Either that or maybe go uh, with Scribd and uh, maybe uh, read it yeah, that way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and I promise you, you you won't see the ending coming. Cool. Uh, I'm really proud of of how it ends, and and I and to me, it's very true to what I started, but it's not your typical ending for for a heroic story. Excellent, it's, fantastic. It, it, it's a redemption story, and he there is redemption at the end. That's all I'm going to say. No, I think I really think a character like Black Bat, and and I think even um, the stuff that all the. Uh, different creators were able to do with uh, Alex Ross's Project Superpowers with all the public domain heroes and stuff. It was a really interesting opportunity to tell some really fun stories. And, uh, yeah, people should – I agree with you. I, I think uh, I think a lot of the licenses that Dynamite ends up uh, getting, they put them in the hands of the right writers and artists. I mean, God, the, the shadow has just been consistently right. good. Everybody who's done – and I love uh, Robertson's Doc Savage. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I thought I thought that was excellent. I think there have been very good arcs of Six Million Dollar Man, um, all, a lot of a Green Hornet, you know, a lot of a lot okay. of interesting stories. No, yeah. I think I think they definitely have some quality product. I quite agree. I quite agree. So, what else is coming up for you? You know, you got uh, you you know obviously so uh, Sons of, Sons of the Devil is uh, is you know first and foremost and starting in uh, in May. Yeah, I mean basically uh, it's Sons of the Devil. It's it's more detective comics. Injustice. Injustice is a weekly, so that's like bang, bang, bang. Um, true. I have a couple of things that I'm pitching to, to DC that I, that you know hopefully will pan out. Um, uh, you know, it's just keeping the ball moving. You know, I, I'm already lining up uh, what I want my my next uh, you know uh, independent title to be. Um, so uh, it's just I write because I want to write. You know, like I wrote for ten years for free, learning, taught myself how to write, and wrote a lot of bad stuff. And it's like my true passion. So whether you know whether I get paid for it or not, I'm going to continue to write. It's like storytelling is what I do. You know, it's what fulfills me creatively. So um, hopefully, you'll see more. Hopefully, you know, I'll have an announcement in the next few months about another another uh, project. You know, I hope so, man. And uh, when you do, I hope uh, you'll come back because. Uh I, I think you're doing quality work, man. I really do, and, and absolutely. Whether whether it's with Francis or or, or the or the the solo stuff you've done, both at DC, at Dynamite, now at Image and stuff. No, you're you're doing great, and uh, I really people uh, check out Sons of the Devil. It's absolutely worth it. Look for that video on Vimeo, and uh, look for uh, you know go to your go to your store. Look for it online at uh, the previews uh, preview central. Is it? Uh, pre- I think it's Previous World. I think is it Previous World? You're 100 percent right. It is Previous At- World. Yeah, check out check out some of the sample pages. Uh, yeah, and just to let any any uh, retailer or uh, you know review site uh, contact me on on Twitter or Facebook, and I'll send you the first issue. You know, uh, by all means. As he did to me, and it's it's really no, it's quality crime stuff, and and it's uh, I think a, a book that a lot of word balloon fans would absolutely like because I gravitate towards uh, the crime comics. And a good representation of that, and we're and, so, we're, and we're the same, you and I. It's true, it, clearly in terms of our film, our film taste and everything. <laughs> no, you're younger and prettier, Brian, but yeah. I appreciate. I, it. I, I wish I was younger than than uh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that yeah. as well. But uh, no, keep it up, man. Keep up the good work, and uh, pleasure talking to you. I look forward to seeing you at C two E two. All right, pal. Take care.
There you go. That's a shorty today, but uh, good conversation with Brian Buccalato. More stuff on the way. Uh, again, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, we'll make up for it uh, in the days ahead because lots of people are uh, champing at the bit to come on Word Balloon and talk to you about some of the great books they have out now, some of the interesting projects and developments in their world. Happy to share them with you, as I always do. We try to do it each week. If not, we come usually close, and uh, today's a good example. But a couple more episodes to go before March closes up, I promise. Hope you enjoyed today's show. It was brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Great deals are going on right now at InStockTrades.com. You can get um, on the uh, Twilight Zone. There's a sale on Volumes 1 and 2. They're both 50% off. Um, You can also get uh, an extra 10% on select um, PS art books while supplies last. So uh, interesting uh, savings going on at InStockTrades, including savings on books like these. From Titan Comics, you can get Doctor Who, uh, the uh, 10th Doctor, uh, Volume 1, Revolution's Terror, is 25% off, $14.99. You can get the 11th Doctor in the hardcover volume one, Afterlife, for uh, that same price of uh, $14.99. Hawkeye trade paperback, Avenging Archer, 42% off, $20.29. You can get the Runaways Complete Collection. Trade paperback volume three is 42% off, $23.99. The regular show trade paperback volume three is 30% off, $10.49. Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill continue with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen universe with Nemo. Uh, that's, uh, I believe, it. well, it could be Captain Nemo or it could be his daughter. I haven't read uh, River of Ghosts yet. Hardcover volume uh, is 30% off, $10.46. From our pal Charles Soule and Oni Press, you can get Letter 44, Trade Paperback Volume 2, 30% off. It's just $13.99. Got to talk to Charles. It's been a year since we've had a conversation with Charles Soule. He's got to come back. Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray doing such a great job on Jonah Hex and All-Star Western. Volume 6, End of the Trail, is out on, in trade paperback. 42% off. It's just $8.69. Great Western stuff from the boys. Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors is uh, 50% off. The Digest, uh, $4.99. And a whole hell of a lot more that we talked about. Uh, by the way, we mentioned Volumes 1 and 2 of The Twilight Zone. Volume 3, The Way Back. off $7.99. It's all at InStockTrades.com. Do yourself a favor and take advantage of some of these deals now at InStockTrades.com. John Sutcher saying thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, for your continued support. Again, lots of programming left. I know we only have a week left of uh, March, but I promise definitely one more show, if not two, before the end of March. We roll right into April with uh, more great conversation coming up. Some newbies, some oldbies. All coming up uh, as we uh, head closer and closer to Word Balloon's 10th anniversary. That's coming March 10th, or I'm sorry, May 10th, uh, 2015. It'll be 10 years, and uh, very happy about that. Thank you for being along for the ride, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, we uh, did something last week. We had the Word Balloon hotline, and um, I'm happy to do more of that. And actually, before I go, I should mention, because so many people were uh, confused by one of the callers, a uh, guy went on a rant about uh, Chuck Dixon's run on the X-Men. And none of us could find Chuck Dixon's run on the X-Men because it didn't happen. Our guess, best guess, based on the uh, tone of the call and what I remember as far as Chuck's writing X-Men that uh, were not popular. Maybe he was talking about Chuck Austin, who was writing uh, X-Men about 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, obviously you had some uh, issues with the fans. And uh, I, I can appreciate that. Again, was never an X-Men fan. But... Uh, 
much like a lot of my favorite writers, um, half of what Chuck Austin wrote, I loved. Uh, and I could point very specifically to things like his weekly War Machine was excellent. I liked Electra uh, when he was doing with Brian Bendis. Um, a hell of an artist, one of the Miracle Man artists, as you remember, back in the day. But I really loved his run on Action Comics. I thought he had a great take on Superman. And uh, on, on a lot of his Marvel stuff, I enjoyed it as well. And Chuck wrote my favorite King of the Hill episode. Did you know that? He was involved on uh, the voice side of King of the Hill, and they actually let him write one of the scripts. And he wrote the episode where they go down to New Orleans because Hank is going to uh, try and throw the football in through the uh, hole in the giant Alamo beer can and uh, win 100000 or he can get uh, Danny Don Meredith uh, to do the throw for him for ten grand. One of my favorite episodes. Bobby is at his uh, dandiest best. And a uh, really, really funny episode. A very classic episode of King of the Hill. Written by Chuck Austin. He also created the uh, car- cartoon. Co-created uh, Tripping the Rift. You might remember that fine cartoon. So uh, Chuck does a lot of good things. If you didn't like his X-Men, oh well. Uh, I think another dozen writers have touched the X-Men since then. And we've all lived have happy lives. You know, that's the great thing about these characters. If you don't like somebody's run, especially nowadays... Odds are somebody else is going to be writing that book real soon anyway. And uh, you're going to find a, a writer that you like that will treat the hero the way you want him to treat, be treated. So, Or heroines or whomever, team individuals. So keep that in mind for next time. But uh, until next time, thanks a lot for listening. Hope you'll join me again. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2015. <laughs>